Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. The church has been my family, Terry, for as long as we've been here. When we moved here, we didn't have any immediate family living close by, and as we became acquainted with the church, it just became family. And that's why I enjoy being here, is because it gives me a closeness of feeling like belonging to a family. My friend Maury Graham worked in the bank where I was working, and I sensed in him a difference. And um, at that time in my life, I was in my 30s, and I was kind of restless, like a lot of people that age are and everything, and I couldn't seem to find a peace. And um, I, I sensed that in Maury, so I talked to him and said, you know, what's wrong with me? What, what is it that's lacking in my life? And he said, what you need is Jesus Christ in your life. And I said, oh, yeah, right. But I also... Um, had gone to a, a meeting at um, a church where there were a bunch of just church ladies there and there was a gal there that was talking and she was talking about urban renewal but I sensed in her the peace that I was looking for and I knew she was a friend of Maury's so I asked Maury if he thought she would visit with me and he said oh yeah I'm sure she would and so um, I arranged to have lunch with her and, and went to her house to have lunch and she asked if she could read a piece of scripture and I said, oh sure. And so she read from Ephesians where it talks about how we are chosen by God. And that kind of impressed me. And then she prayed um, just like a blessing, but it was like she was speaking directly to someone and I'd never experienced that. So. Um, that was a very pleasant experience, and I came back to work from lunch, and I was just sitting at my typewriter typing, and I just very quietly in my heart said, Okay, God, you can have my life, because I just can't handle it anymore. And I physically felt the presence of God in my life. I felt his uh, hands upon my shoulders. Maury happened to be sitting there, and I just turned around to him, and I said, Oh, Maury, you'll never guess what happened. And he said, I felt his presence just now. And it was there. And that's when I gave my life to Christ to control. That really was the beginning. After that, I just um, went along in life and um, joined a, a Christian women's club and was sitting again at a meeting probably nine months after that. And there was a lady again talking about today is the first day of the rest of your life. And again, God came to my mind and in my presence and he said, and what are you, Marge Forum, doing for me? And I said, nothing. I wasn't doing anything for him. And so then I began my journey of, of uh, looking for what God would have me to do. From there, it led me to a program um, it, within the church we were attending, and I went to a seminar. God came and said, you want to open a Christian bookstore in Glasgow? And I said, I do. And it was confirmed that I did, and I said, uh, I think I need to pray about this. So I prayed with somebody about that. And 
um, I said to God, well, you'll just have to show me how because I'm in the banking industry. I don't know anything about opening a bookstore. And I said, and besides that, you'll have to give me the money because I don't have it. And I went to lunch. And sitting at the lunch table, I shared that um, with the people at my table because I was quite impressed with what God had said to me in my head. And so the man across the table from me said, I have 5,000 bushel of untreated wheat. If you can sell that on the market, you can have the money to open your bookstore. And that was the next adventure. So then I came home, rented the only downtown place in Glasgow that was for rent, and in September of 1972, I opened the Good News Bookstore and had it for 12 years. And then economic conditions were such in Glasgow that we couldn't keep it open. And the day that I was actually closing the store, Tom Stathis came over from the Valley Drug and he said, how would you like to move your bookstore to the drugstore? And we can have a bookstore and a drugstore and a gift store. And so I did. So God, again, was faithful. It was his idea to open the bookstore, and he continued it for as long as he wanted. You know, what would my life have been if I hadn't listened? And my life isn't like anybody else's nor did he have that purpose for anybody else, but, but he did for me. And I know he has that purpose for everybody. And I find that to be true as I look at other people, as I um, become acquainted with others, it helps me to see that they're different than me, but I hope to convey to them that your life matters to God individually. It's just wonderful to look back and see how God has touched my life all the way along the way and provided for me before I ever knew it. Absolutely. So I trust him to provide from now on. I mean, you know, how can you not trust? I don't have to strive to do anything. <laughs> I don't. And yet I'm blessed abundantly. I, I, you know, it's it's just crazy. We were, it's just to recognize how he, you know, walks way ahead of you. He's got it all planned out. He knows exactly what the next few years are going to bring to. So I don't have to worry about that. He has a plan for each one of us. If uh, it, that story doesn't stop there, Marge is in two Bible studies. She just came to my office this week and said, hey, I'm starting another one for people who don't even know how to get into the Bible. And so I want a really easy book. And so she scoured uh, a really easy Bible to read. And so she scoured the Bibles that we had looking for, hey, what's the best way to do that? And so her, her story is not done yet. Um, and that's the beautiful thing is, is we've been going through uh, the series of Acts and it's all based on this one, uh, the, the whole foundation of Acts is based on this one scripture or this one verse. It's Acts 1.8, which says this, it says, but you will receive when the, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea 
in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The whole point is, is that we are witnesses. We as a church are witnesses. We as an individual are witnesses. And we go out and we are seeing that everything does have a plan. We're seeing everything does have a purpose. All these Peter went through this amazing sermon and telling people, here's all the dots you can, can connect. And the people said, well, what should we do? And, they, and he said, repent and follow Christ. Repent, which means not just a feeling sorry or sad I did something. It is I cannot handle my life anymore. I am done. I am repenting and I'm turning and I'm walking in you. And so you'll be getting more of these stories of people in our church. I think we have about 13 to 15 of them. I can't remember how many we recorded. And Marge is just the first one that gets off the bat and starts the, starts the thing swinging. But now what happens is, is these people respond to the message of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, rose again through the power of, the, through the power of God and imparts the Holy Spirit to those who repent. And now we come to this point where uh, we left off last week with 3,000 people in all gave their lives over to Christ. What do you do with 3,000 people? They went from 120 to 3,000. That's astronomical growth. And so today we're going to dive in to what they did with all those people. And let's read it together. If you have your Bibles open, would you, uh, or if you have your Bibles with you, would you open with me to um, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And if you don't have your Bibles with you, they'll be on the side screens that you can follow with me. And so um, let's read this together. And if you've always wondered what sort of translation I read from, because it's different than yours, I, I, uh, I study in the ESV, but I read here from the NLT. And so I just, I think it's a great, um, just a great translation. So let's read it together. It says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, and all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Would you pray with me? Hey God, as we open up our hearts to your word, Lord, would your Holy Spirit work in all the crevices? Lord, if there's things in there that aren't right, Lord, would we... Would we choose to repent and allow you to sweep them out? Would we, would we see our need in you? Would we not think that all the things we're doing are, are, are great and, and good enough? Would we just understand that your grace is sufficient for us? And so God, help us to see new things this morning that we've never seen before. In your name we pray, amen. 
The first thing that as I opened up this uh, scripture that just stood out for me was uh, in verse 43 where it says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. I don't know if you've ever experienced a moment in which you were just awestruck, but it happened to me um, it happened to me last April. I mean, it's happened before, but this thing that stood out to me uh, the most was last April I was uh, at a conference uh, called Together for the Gospel. And so just a whole bunch of people come into this arena, a whole bunch of pastors come into this arena. And when I came into the arena that day, there was a piano just sitting on the middle of the stage. And I was wondering what sort of worship we were going to do. And so um, I didn't see any guitar stands, didn't see any other microphones out. And so I'm like, all right, great. We're going to worship with piano. And then this amen who said, there you go. <laughs> and so uh, this song started playing, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And uh, it's, a, it's a hymn that I grew up with, but uh, I was completely blown away because this is what I started singing. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it, the mount of thy redeeming love. And then I had to stop after that because when you're in a huge stadium of 18,000 men singing, there was 2,000 women, but definitely you can't hear the women because finally the men can sing louder. We have enough of them. And so uh, I was just absolutely quiet because of the next sonnet or the next verse that we sang. Oh, the grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for the courts above. This is exactly what, when you get to that moment of going, this is the gospel that my whole entire life is always wanting to leave. To walk away from God, to do my own thing. And then we hear this gospel. And there's 3,000 people singing, right? There's 3,000 people all in one heart together, and they've never seen this before. Trust me, when you get in a stadium with 18,000 people who desire to sing... It is ear-splitting. In fact, actually, David Platt says this uh, story from another guy. That he went down to South Korea, and uh, he was in a hotel one night, and he was woken up at 3.30 in the morning, and he couldn't figure out where this noise was coming from. It was, it just, it was almost like the windows were shaking. He's like, what sort of sporting game could play like this? And so he went downstairs after getting ready, and he's like, what was going on this morning? And he said, oh, that's just all the believers getting together in the stadium and praying in the morning like we always do. Like thousands of people coming together. And they're all in one heart, and they're all saying, this, it rings true to us. 
this story of Jesus Christ coming is unbelievable. And so you have all of these believers going in awe, going, I can't believe this. But how does that look for us today? Because I think part of it is, is that this is a brand new movement and this movement has been going on forever. But what is something that we can pick up and go, no, we need to reevaluate what's going on in our hearts. And I think this piece of scripture just brings us back to a point of going, yeah, that's where it's at. And so this is the life of the new believers Right here in verse 42, that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. I find it interesting that the things of God are so simplistic. They're not some grandiose thing. It's not asking me to, it's not asking me to learn how to speak Greek here or understand Hebrew or parse all of these words and figure out exactly what's going on. No, it is that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And so we're going to dive into all of those today and kind of take out where we're going with it. And so if you're taking notes with me, the very first thing that I want you to put in there is the new believers devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles and to scripture. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. As they're walking with the apostles and learning from them, they, they are learning from people who, are walk, who had walked with Jesus for the previous three years and had learned whatever they possibly could. And so for you, I ask, are you receiving instruction from qualified, trustworthy people who are filled with the Holy Spirit? Or are you looking for just the latest fad that comes along that says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take in this for myself? I mean, it would be nice to say that, wait a second, I don't have any apostles walking around. I don't have any of the 12 sitting here teaching me. Where do I go? And the, the answer is the song we sang earlier. The Holy Bible, the ancient words. It's unbelievable how much the Old Testament and the New Testament just come together perfectly and go, wow, this is the plan of God. This is where he's going. This is how I can live. It's constantly teaching us. But if you only come on Sunday mornings to hear scripture, you are way behind. And when I say the word you, I mean also me. It's unbelievable how many times I pick this scripture up and I think, oh, I know how to preach this now. Instead of going, God, would you allow the scripture to preach me, preach to me? We read these and we go, oh, I wish my wife would read this or my husband would read this. They would really get something out of this. We would be better husbands, wives, friends, teachers, brothers, sisters, parents. Not by reading the next big book, but by going, I want to find it in the scripture first. 
and guide me and direct me. And so as we continue to seek out the scriptures and to the teachings, we need to hold this at high value. Not just another thing to add to our repertoire of books, but the foundation in which all books come from. And we do that not only just by coming on Sunday mornings, but we do that by every day, by maybe being in a Bible study, by maybe being in an accountability group that says, hey, would you just help me be accountable to living out the things that are in this scripture? We do that maybe by inviting people into our lives and going, this is what I'm learning. You know, I've, I've gotten away from just going, uh, when I meet with people, instead of just going, hey, how are you doing? Hey, what's God teaching you in the Bible this week? What's a verse that's been popping out to you that you want to walk with? Man, if you haven't downloaded the YouVersion Bible app on your, on your phone yet, go and do it. Uh, there, is a, there was a 60-day reading plan, and I didn't want to do the reading. I, did, I wanted to do the listening. So, man, I just put, the, put it in my ears and just listened to it as I was walking, and there's some amazing stuff out there. Go, go look at it to get back to the teachings. But it's daily. It's not weekly. It's not monthly. It's a daily thing coming back and going, God, I know my heart is prone to wonder. Would you please pull me back? And so let's devote ourselves to teachings and to scripture at the temple, in our homes, when we meet with people, when we encourage one another. The second thing that the apostles did is, they, or sorry, the new believers did is they, they sought out fellowship. They sought out fellowship. I'm going to go back, sorry, I'm going to backtrack just a second because I saw a note that I wanted to, wanted to say is this, is there are some of you who are brand new to this church or have been going here a while going, great, where are all these groups that we can meet with? If you remember, one of the things that um, is our 2019 goal at our church is spiritual formation. And so we are working on that. We are working on the point of going, hey, uh, let's get a uh, chance for more people to be involved. In fact, actually, if you didn't know this, we did a little bit of a, a study. There's 18 groups that are going on in our church right now. And of those 18 groups, two of them are open to new people because those other ones have just either been going for a really long time and they just don't have any more room or something like that, or uh, they're just kind of like, hey, no, we're keeping it um, kind of small and intimate, and so we're trying to get more, and so just be patient with us. Uh, just keep on going. If you're in a group and you have more um, room to grow and uh, want to invite people, would you please talk to Breezy and say, hey, this, we, we want as many people as we possibly can um, in this, and so that is an opportunity for you to be together. Uh, but the whole idea of spiritual formation as we desire to equip people to live the gospel joyously is this idea. How do we get more people to be in scripture and, and studying the teachings of the apostles? Not my teachings, the Bible's teachings, okay? 
So the second thing is, is the new believers sought out fellowship. This is verse 45, 44 through 45. And it says this, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They desired to be together. You know, there's sometimes when you look at this and uh, there's a huge movement of the house church movement, right? Like the church is really supposed to be in homes. But the temple area was big enough for all 3,000 people to meet together and go, we are struggling with this. This is what's going on in our neck of the woods. What's going on here? How can we help out? And they wanted to rub elbows with one another. They wanted to make sure that as they came into being with one another, they talked about their needs. They weren't superficial. They weren't uh, just trying to say, hey, I've got everything all together. In fact, no, here's my needs. Here's where I'm struggling. Here's what's taking me away from my relationship with Jesus Christ. And so some of it looked like they sold their possessions. There is one person that says this, is that they lost their sense of personal entitlement. There's a, another phrase of this that you guys have heard. It is, uh, well, possibly some of you guys have heard it. It's, uh, it's a Greek word called koinonia. It means that it wasn't just them separate in a group together. It was a whole entire group fellowshipping, and they were with each other as one. They had the same goal in mind. Their wealth and possessions became a means of meeting the needs of fellow believers. Their fellowship produced extraordinary unity and generosity. The problem is, is that as we get to know people, we start thinking different things. We start making those judgment calls. Well, they don't, they don't really need that. They can, that, that's not really a need of theirs. Look at what they're going to do with this. And so our gifts maybe become as attachments. Or we get burned by people because we're sinful human beings. My one question I have for myself when I come to church is, do I desire fellowship or do I desire to be an attender, just being there, or do I want to be in people's lives? And I have to fight that over and over again, right? I have to fight that mindset that I have that, no, wait a second. Everybody, everybody is offered the grace of God. Whatever background they have, wherever, wherever they're coming from, I want to first guide people to be living the gospel and looking at scripture and the teachings and secondly, be in fellowship with one another. This isn't where I just don't have any, if, if I haven't come together and looked at scripture together and then just gone, give everything I have and just go, no, here you go. That's, that's not the point. The point is, is that we are working towards a common goal together. We are unified and sometimes I think we have this guilt in church where it says, well, I guess I'm supposed to give this because this is what I'm supposed to do. If you feel like you're supposed to, 
do it. That's not the mindset of unity that we have here. The whole point, I think, is understanding that all the believers, we want to meet together. One thing I love about this church is how long it takes people to leave. Right? I've been at churches where five minutes after the church service is over, everybody gone, right? And whereas here, man, my family doesn't leave to go to lunch sometimes until two o'clock in the afternoon, right? And that's amazing. And I've trained my kids to, to hold off. It's called this yeah, skinny plan. Um, <laughs> Sunday fast day. I don't know. Uh, but man, that's what I love about our church is their willingness. There are, there are some of you that have a standing day where you just go, hey, lunch. It, we don't even need to invite you anymore. We just are going to lunch, right? So I know there's a crew that goes to the Oasis after church. So if you want to go to Oasis, go with them, right? They, are, they would love to have you. They'll pay for your lunch too today, um, just to let you know. All right. Tom Stathos. No, <laughs> he's not showing up today. No, uh, <laughs> there, there are tons of us who want and desire to meet all around the place. Here's another thing. Do you desire to look at new people that are, that are coming to church and go, I want to meet with them. I want to get to know them. Do you put yourself out there and invite people over to your house? Or is it, nope, this is my group that I've always been with and this is what we always do and that we don't need anymore. If you're new to this church, don't wait for people to come to you. Go to them. There's some people that moved in from Nashville, Nashville about a year ago. And one of the things that I love about them is they just, they just hung around church until people finally talked to them. It worked out, didn't it? That's right. So there are some of those things that, hey, as we, as we go, if, you, if you're new, if you've been here for a while, if you're uh, just trying to figure it out, one of the things is, is start looking around. Do you seek out fellowship? And I know it's hard because what happens is, is the more and more we get involved in people's lives, the more and more we have with people that we really sometimes want to hang out with. But the idea is, is we're all in one common goal. This is what I loved is that it was big enough for all 3,000 people to come. I've crammed 55 youth kids in my back room. When I, when I invite 20, I know there's room for at least 60 more. And I've got a small house. Not really. But what I'm saying is, is man, uh, do you seek out fellowship? Seek it out. Invite new people. Not even in your same age group. Invite new people and start going, hey, tell me your story. One of the first things that I do, if you don't know something about me, I'm a little bit weird. Um, when I go to people's houses that I don't know really well or that have invited me or they're inviting my wife and I sit for about five minutes and say, what are we going to talk about? And so I have this like list in my mind of if the conversation starts getting a lull, I'll start going, I'll start going, hey, this is a question we're going to ask, 
right? I'm just weird like that because I'm afraid of silence, okay? I'm afraid of people thinking me as weird. I am weird. But anyway, as we seek fellowship, one of the best questions you can ask is, tell me your story. Tell me your story. There are some people that will start when they were conceived. There are some people that will start last week. But at least there's a story there and you can talk and encourage one another. Because when we have fellowship with one another, we can encourage each other to live the gospel. We can encourage each other to keep going strong. We can pray for one another. We can know what's going on in people's lives to go, hey, I want to dive into that. I might know somebody who can help out in that area. So seek fellowship, please. And then the new believers desired worship. In verse 46, the new believers desired worship. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. There is going back to fellowship. But there is a connection here between worship and the Lord's prayer and joy and generosity. Worship isn't just singing. In fact, actually, one of the root words of worship is serving. Serving one another. Out of joy and generosity. If you come to church on a Sunday morning, morning and have, joy, have no joy and no generosity, the, the gospel hasn't sunk in quite yet that morning. Or we need to understand where we're at to go, God, would you bring me back into a place of joy? God, I'm, I'm, I need to repent from what I'm thinking about right now. Because when we realize worship and putting God in the throne room, it is absolutely a desire to serve one another. I love just, I mean, we're going to do this in just a second, but I love communion, and I end up usually weeping out of joy in communion. I love serving communion. I love telling people that when you drink this juice, you are proclaiming the blood of Christ over your life. That is beautiful and gorgeous and unbelievably undeserving, and yet it is offered to everyone. Because when we study scripture and look at the apostles' teachings and our wanting fellowship and our worshiping God, we are understanding the whole totality of the picture. It becomes about joy. And so then when we give to other people, it is joyously giving to them. When we give to God, it is about joyously giving to him. And the last thing that the believers did is, is well, not the last thing, but all-encompassing, the new believers did nothing without prayer. We see this already multiple times in Acts, right? We see the apostles praying for what God wanted them to do next. And then we see them praying for the Holy Spirit. And then we see them praying for other people. And, and it just continues on. And in verse 47, it says, All while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. 
prayer comes back to exactly what Marge was saying is, is as we pray, God, what do you want me to do? God, where are you leading me so that I can be a witness? I don't want to do anything without you first telling me. What if Marge knew that she was supposed to open a bookstore, but instead she opened a shaved ice business to sell snow cones so that she could tell people about Jesus? Might have worked for a while and she might have told some people about Jesus, but that's not what God wanted from her. And so it's imperative that new believers do nothing without praying first for the express purpose of going, God, this is what you want us to do. Because as we're doing what you want us to do, the next part happens and it says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. It wasn't 3,120 people on day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, all the way. No, it was 3,120 people plus whatever God brought in that day because the people were doing what God was asking them to do each day. Chuck Swindoll says it like this. He says, well-taught, authentic followers of Jesus praise God and encourage people, and they look to the Lord in prayer to add to their number. They don't look to a Bible study to say, hey, we're going to add people to our number. No, they look to God first and go, God, would you do the work that we know you can do? Because every single day, these new believers are witnesses. And you better bet people are watching them. Tell you another story later on down the road, but people were watching them over and over again. They knew that they were looking at the scriptures and they were connecting themselves to the teachings. They desired fellowship because nobody had any sort of needs within their group. They were walking with them and knowing and understanding each other and they were worshiping God and they did nothing without prayer. Could you imagine what would happen to our church when we decided Man, this is what we're going to do all the time. We're going to immerse ourselves in Scripture. And we want as much fellowship as we possibly can. And so wherever there's a moment for us to get together as a family, we're going to do that. You can mark on your calendar June 9th. We're going to go do uh, a huge church picnic out at, the, out at Kiwanis Park together. Uh, but, like, that's the biggest one that just came to my mind. But, man, this, this next week on Wednesday night, you have a chance to be together and, uh, and come and look at what God has done within our children all year long through Awana and have fun with them. We have a chance every week to do worship together and join together in one voice. Don't, don't just say it's okay to miss out. Come with expectant, joyous hearts to see what God has done in the week. 
And don't do anything without prayer first. God, please guide and direct us. I think it's fitting that today we get to talk about the worship and fellowship of breaking bread with one another and, and doing communion. And this whole entire time we've started the Acts series, this is where it's been going. It is the idea that we hear the gospel story of Jesus Christ teaching and telling people the kingdom of God is near. Please, please would you repent and turn from your life and follow Christ. And then would you realize that his body was broken for us and his blood covers us, covers our sins so that the wrath of God is not on us anymore. That we have freedom to accept his grace, to understand the truth of who we are, the truth of who he is. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says this to them. He says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The whole point of do this in remembrance of me is the understanding of how the depths of our sin had to crush him. It wasn't just an, oh, I'm sorry. It is last week, like we said, we are sin. We carry sin around with us. But the body of Christ is broken for us so that blood can be spilt out. In the next verse, he says, in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Then he goes on to say, hey, would you please take this seriously? Would you please do the work in which you can look at your inside selves and say, have we... Repented? Have we come to a point where we don't want to handle our life anymore? We want to follow God in all of his ways. Because as we take this, we are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again, over and over again. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward and, and I'm going to tell you how we're going to do communion this morning. There's going to be three aisles of uh, where you can take uh, communion. And I just ask that once you uh, take uh, communion, if you just walk on the very outside, so just come forward and walk on the very outsides. And if you, uh, and if you uh, are, cannot walk around and you need somebody to bring you communion, we, we can do that for you. Dan, I didn't talk to you beforehand. Would you do that? Thank you very much. And, uh, but we've got two worship songs. You have the time to reflect 
and look upon um, where your heart is. If you have children and you know that they've accepted Jesus Christ, please lead them in communion. If, uh, if you're here and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, hey, it's okay, sit in your chair. There is no cameras on looking for people who don't take communion and we're gonna go tackle you afterwards, okay? That's not what's gonna happen. We just want you to have a moment to be able to, for yourself, proclaim the majesty of Jesus Christ in your life. And it is a joyous moment, and yet it is also um, very inward thinking and looking. God, would you change my heart? And so as they lead us this morning in this song, you can come up whenever you want, and then we'll close with the song together, and I'll come up and end. So this week, get in your Bibles. If you don't know where to start, start in John. Find somebody to take out and get to know them a little bit more. Worship with joy and generosity. And pray about everything you do. Love you all. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for for your death and resurrection. We thank you that you give us life, nobody else. And that through your grace, we can, we can look at our faith and know that in you alone, we can find everything we need. And so here's our heart, Lord. You are our everything. In your name we pray, amen. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at glasgowec.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.